You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Welcome to those here in the room, those listening on our podcast. Um, it's always great to uh, gather together as a body of Christ uh, here in this place to celebrate and to sing songs like that, that we're free um, from the guilt of our sin, that we're, we're set free, that, we're, that we are children of uh, the God who created us. So um, very, uh, very exciting. Uh, so we are in a series called the Real Je- Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? And it is um, based on this book. Pastor Jim actually uh, read this book, passed it on to me. And so together we read the book and really liked the different things. And we'll talk a little bit more about what the series is about. Um, but uh, we've been doing that for the last couple of weeks. And last week we took a break from the series because we, over the last several years really, but more specifically the last couple of months, have really been diving into what is God's um, will for our church? What does that look like? Who are we as a church? And then last week we put uh, words kind of to who we see God making us as Trinity Lutheran Church, who God make and, and Academy who God has made us to be. And so if you weren't here last week, I'd encourage you to go back onto our podcast or on our website uh, and, and watch that, that message because it really explains what I'm going to show you um, in a second. So if you were here last week, you recognize this slide. Basically, we as a church, uh, we, we've always known that we're supposed to be reaching the world for Jesus one life at a time, right? That's our big mission that God has given to us. Um, but we do it on a, a one-on-one level, one-on-one conversation, discipling one-on-one um, our mission as a church, and again, this is all, all new. You'll hear more and more about this. But our mission as a church uh, is to lead people in a growing relationship with Jesus. Basically, this is, this is the, the Bible churchy word, discipleship. We are discipling people uh, as God has changed their hearts. People have become Christian and a Christ follower, and then we help people along in that process. So we uh, lead people in a growing relationship with, with Jesus. And we do that in terms of our vision culture. The, how we do that here at our church are three words. Remember what those three words are? Well, that's not fair. They're up here. So, but remember the three words are connecting, right? So do this with me. Connecting, growing, and serving, right? Connecting, growing, and serving. And so all throughout our whole ministry, even this last week has been kind of fun because the directors and, and teachers now are going, are, when, we, when I talk with them, they're like, okay, how does, how does my classroom, we connect, we grow, how do we serve, you know, and, and the worship teams. And, and so those three words are really already within seven days really f- coming to light in terms of our ministry. Part of this whole process of our vision, mission, what, who we are as a church uh, has been to work with a, a, an organization called, a ministry called Church Doctor Ministries. Um, we worked as a total congregation as they did a diagnostic last, or last fall. Um, they were here over this last weekend. They were in the first service today. Um, but they were here over this last weekend and met with our uh, leadership teams, um, our staff, and, and a, a planning team to really go, okay, is, is the way that we're organized in making decisions the best way to facilitate this. And so we process that. And you're going, to hear, you're going to hear so much more about what that looks like. And come to find out, we're already doing great things. We're already organized uh, at a base level 
um, in, in making decisions, but there are some things that we need to tweak and to change, uh, and, and you'll hear a lot more about that as that kind of rolls out. Um, so we just have been really blessed uh, with that, uh, that whole process. And I would just ask you as your pastor to just be in prayer for that process. Be in prayer for our leadership as we tr- are going to try some things and just see if they stick on the wall, um, but all to reach the world for Jesus one life at a time. That's, that's really what it's all about. Um, so again, the, the series, uh, Will the Real Jesus Please Stand Up? That, like I said, is the series we are in. Uh, and um, it's a really, really important series. Uh, if you haven't been here, again, I encourage you to hear it the last couple of weeks. It's an important series um, because it may not be, uh, the series might not even really be for you. Because if you've grown up in church, you know, you, may, you probably have a pretty full idea of who Jesus is, what he is and what he isn't. But most of our world has no idea really who Jesus really is. And so this, this series has kind of been twofold, not only to in, in, encourage us and to see the beauty and the fullness of who Jesus is, but also for us to have tools then to talk to our family, to our friends um, about what Jesus did for us, who he is, and how much he loves us. Um, and the problem, again, that, that many people have is that we do have all kinds, people, a lot of people have all kinds of different ideas who Jesus is. You know, some people think that Jesus um, was just a mascot. You know, we wear his cross as jewelry and, oh, he's just sort of this figure. Some people don't believe Jesus existed at all and it's just a combo- combination of a whole bunch of different people who makes up the historical Jesus. Um, and, you know, that actually might be you. You may not really believe in all the Jesus stuff and the God stuff and you're here because it's part of your family or somebody invited you because you're going to have lunch after this or whatever it is. Um, But it's not your fault. I don't think we in our churches teach deeply and fully about who Jesus is. I don't think we, in our Bible studies, we study more fully, but I I think that churches in many ways have fallen uh, on really focusing on the beauty and, and what he came to do and who he actually was. And our media certainly is any, isn't any help uh, to show us who Jesus is. Um, so today, though, specifically, uh, we're going to be talking about a view of Jesus that so many people ha- have now and all throughout history. They've held this view, and by holding on to this certain view, it raises a question that many non-Christians and Christians alike have about Jesus. And that question that's really important to answer is going to be revealed later on in the sermon, so you're going to have to wait. <laughs> but I want to do a little bit of bragging um, in, the, in the spirit uh, first as, as to set up our, our topic today. Uh, every year, our staff gets together for what we call an all-staff convocation, and it's just basically all of our staff, ministry staff together, school staff, and, and we spend a whole day, some of us just half a day, but just, just pouring into each other, learning about this year, we learned about the mission and vision, and, and just one year we brought a comedian in and just had a blast with that. Um, so we just, we just pour into, and this happened a couple of weeks, so here's a couple of pictures of that staff convocation, and this is going somewhere, believe me. So um, this was in the gym just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you might recognize a couple of familiar faces, Marjorie Spaeth, uh, Paige Hartung uh, in, in the back there is one of our teachers. Um, 
And, uh, and here, as part of that activity, uh, Sarah Sharp, who is now, she's married now, so Sarah um, Kurzelak, uh, over here on the, this side, um, did this really interesting icebreaker, if you will. We had to look at something that we were wearing that day and draw a picture of it and then draw a, a biblical uh, spiritual characteristic that goes along with it. You know, so like the sunglasses of joy, you know, or whatever it was. And, Sarah, and then we had to stand up and kind of share ours, and it was hilarious. Sarah, you know, wearing that, uh, that mustardy colored, whatever sweater color it was. First service, I said this ugly thing. I shouldn't have said that because that's on tape now. It wasn't ugly. Um, but it's, but, but she, so she, and she said, I wore this. I don't usually wear this, but I wore this because this is my sweater of happiness. And if you know Sarah, man, that's what she's bouncing off the wall. So that was her thing. And we just, we just had a blast doing it. But this is your staff of your church. I don't know if you realize how many people serve on a paid career job basis, but this, and there's probably about 10 to 15 people not represented in this, this picture. And the reason I show you this picture is, first of all, I think you need to have a perspective of how many people um, we support in our prayers and, and that you support in your generosity um, and how many people are pouring into the, the people that God is bringing to our ministry. It's really important for you to know. Um, but the other thing I, I want you to realize about this is a majority of these people are teachers. They're in our academy. And they, they love um, having uh, our academies in the teaching business. And they love pouring into our kids. And they're really, really good teachers. And I know that you, in your past, think about your past, you have had a good teacher in your past, haven't you? Somebody that kind of comes to mind, maybe there's a teacher right now that you're involved with, it's like, that person is a good person. So what I want you to do, turn to the person next to you and tell that person who that good teacher is from your past, okay? Got it? Ready? Just spend a minute, go. You know, it's funny about that is I, I did this a couple of weeks at the West Campus, first service here and, and, and now this service. There are so many smiles right now in our church because you think about these people and you think it just brings a smile to your face. Mine is Mr. Hodgson, and actually I'll be at a conference um, toughing it out in Phoenix in the warm weather this week. So, uh, but uh, but I, it's at the church that I grew up at, the church and school that I grew up at, and Mr. Hodgson will be there. And every time I see him, He's still Mr. Hodgson. Hi, Mr. Hodgson. And he goes, Todd, call me Bill. I, I can't. Yeah, I'm like eighth grade in front of you. I'm, hi, Mr. Hodgson. I still do that. I'm like, yeah. But so I get to see my favorite teacher in just a couple of days. And I would bet that if we were to extract your conversations and go a little bit deeper, that that teacher that you had did two things that you uh, intuitively knew that they were a good teacher. The first one was this. Um, that the good teacher communicates information that is relevant, that is applicable, and that is helpful, right? Your good teacher communicates information that applies to you today, that, that you can apply in your life, and that, it, that it's helpful. And this is really just kind of the definition of learning, because a teacher takes one concept and connects it to another concept. That's all learning really is. So think about when you're, when, when you're growing up and you're just learning your ABCs, and your teacher has you say cat, and the k sound in cat, and then they show you a picture of a C. 
And so they're connecting the visual with the sound, k, cat. And that's learning. That's, that's connecting uh, information. Um, and the second thing that they do, and this is actually what makes a good teacher an awesome teacher, and it's this, is that they model their teaching with their life. They model their teaching with their life. They put in the extra hours to make sure you get those connections because they say that, that that's what they teach is to serve the students. I think of our teachers. I could go down the list. I mean, Andrew Malzak, almost every single day I, I walk past his, his class after school and whether it's his job or not, he is in a science classroom with two or three students, just kind of these are some students that need some extra help and he takes the time to pour into them. Christine Benchheim. Just, you just go down the list. It's all of these people that model it with their life. And I'm sure you can think of it, think of people like that too, who are teachers. So translate this into Jesus' day. There's really no difference. Jesus communicated things that were applicable, relevant, helpful to people's lives. He taught, about, he taught about money management. He taught about fear. He taught about how to have peace. He taught about how to be a good, uh, a good um, uh, in relationships. He taught all these wonderful things. He was a good teacher. 48 times uh, it's referenced that he was a good teacher. Um, he taught with boldness and power. Jesus was a good teacher. In fact, in Matthew 28, one of the many places that we have a recording of what Jesus was t- teaching about, in that chapter, he talks about paying taxes to, to Caesar, um, and even though it's God's money, you know, what's, what render under Caesar that is Caesar's render under God, what is God's good teaching there, people are like, whoa, we've never heard that before. Then we get into verse 29, and people were kind of challenging him, saying, okay, let me throw a scenario out there. If my brother dies, and I marry my brother's wife, and we all die, in heaven, who is she going to be married to? You know, like, you know, what's Jesus going to say? And he kind of blows them away with an answer, and I don't, you know, it's just, it's, you know, you, he basically says, you're in error, you don't know what the scriptures say. And after he kind of explains a little bit more of it, he says this, power, this powerful thing, or this powerful thing happened. He goes, the crowds heard this, they were astonished at his teaching. When was the last time you word the word, used the word astonished, right? I think you should today. Some, just throw it in conversation. I'm astonished. Nicole Hansen did that to me. Wow, I was astonished at your teaching today after the first service. But just throw it in there. That'd be kind of fun. Um, so he was teaching, and people were just blown away by his teaching. Another time, he was teaching, and he started to talk a little bit wacky. He was talking about how he, he potentially could be God, and that, that the rabbis, the religious leaders, the church leaders were kind of off base. They didn't know who God was. So much so that the, the rabbis at that time had their own military force. I think that'd be a cool ministry for our church. For us to have a military... No, I'm just kidding. But that would be cool. Um, so the... The priests sent their personal military force to arrest Jesus because they were going to blame him for heresy. And so they go, and then they hear Jesus talk, and they come back. And in John, he says this, Finally, the temple guards went back to the chief priests and Pharisees, empty-handed. They didn't have Jesus. Uh, and then they asked him, Why didn't you bring him in? And they replied, No one ever spoke the way this man does. They were astonished at the power of his teaching, the boldness of his teaching, and what he taught. 
And, and, and it's amazing, too, that even people today think about Jesus and, and lump him in with all the, quote, good teachers. There's, there's a group called the New Atheists. It's five guys. And um, they, they're atheists. They don't believe in God. They don't believe in religion. One of them, one of the key ones, his name's Sam Harris. Um, and he has a podcast that I love to listen to because I'm, it just, I get so angry, but I just also get, like, um, agitated. And, but then I have compassion for him because I'm just waiting for God to change him. He's so close. Um, but Sam Harris had an experience where he, he experienced un, total unconditional love in his life from someone. And he, after that, he wrote this. Um, Until that moment, I had viewed organized religion as merely a monument to the ignorance and superstition of our ancestors. But I now knew that Jesus, the Buddha, Lao Tzu, and other saints and sages of history had not all been epileptics, schizophrenics, or frauds. I still consider the world's religions to be mere intellectual ruins, but I now understand that important psychological truths could be found in the rubble, meaning that among, these, that Jesus, among the things that Jesus taught, he was a good teacher. Most people don't doubt that, Christian or not. He was a good teacher. So here's the question, though. Of all the good teachers throughout history, why do we follow this teacher What's the one thing that makes just Jesus different from all of the other teachers? And it's something that, that I call this. It's called the Jesus line. Um, I made this up, um, I, I think. I, I hope I didn't steal it, but I'm just saying I made it up. Um, and the reason I'm going to show you these next couple slides is both to strengthen your faith, but so that you can also explain why Jesus is different than all of these other great teachers. So basically, it's this. Um, these are supposed to be mountains. I don't know what that blue hand thing is. It's supposed to be snow or something. Ah, whatever. Snow cone. Um, over here is a, a whole, the non-Christian belief mountain. Over here is the Christian belief mountain, okay? The base of the mountain, if you look into the teachings of all the non-Christian beliefs, we all kind of say the same thing about love, about peace, about kindness, you know, how we treat our neighbor. All of these, all these re- basic religions, most anyway, uh, our talk basic humanity. But there's a line as you move up the mountain, as you live life on this moral path, eventually you get to what I call the Jesus line. And the Jesus line comes, goes back to when Jesus start, began, he began teaching all this love and peace like everybody else, but then he started saying he was the Messiah. Not specifically, but that was the inclination that we got from it. And and he started to say that he was going to die and that he was going to rise again. He said one time in, I think it was John 6, he goes, he says, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. (laughs) You know, you kind of hear the music as you read that scripture. But that's what he said. And a ton of people who used to follow him said, whoa, I, that nope, and he he and a lot abandoned him at that point when he said that. So he started saying these things. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, which is heresy back then. People didn't like that. People were shocked. Jesus, um, but but Jesus, as any good teacher did, 
not only just communicated things and, and predicted his death, he actually pulled it off. He actually modeled his teaching with his life. He said, I'm going to be, going to, I'm going to be uh, uh, executed, I'm going to rise again, and it was proven um, by uh, the 500 people at one time. Three times our gathering here, 500 people at one time saw him alive um, and talked with him. So the Jesus line is simply the resurrection. This, the resurrection of Jesus, is the hinge on our complete faith system. It's the hinge on our complete belief system. Everything we talk about ultimately gets back to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if somebody predicts his death, pulls it off, I'm going to follow that guy, right? It, his resurrection, the, uh, the Easter Sunday that we celebrate, the third day when people saw him uh, alive, the grave empty, that legitimized every single thing he taught in the past. His whole life, everything about Jesus led to the resurrection, uh, his resurrection. He's not just a good teacher. He is, but he's not just that. He's a perfect savior because not only did he teach wonderful way to live in connection with God who created us, but he gave up his life, gave up his life for it. If he didn't do that, we're just gathering to hear some cool songs and to hear me kind of blab on a little bit. And our faith is, is useless. Paul, who wrote a lot of the, the New Testament, says this, if Christ hasn't been raised from the dead, then your faith is useless and you're still guilty of your sins. You're not forgiven. If it wasn't for the resurrection, we're sitting in our sins right now. Um, and in, if that were true, in that case, all the people that you know who have died believing in Jesus would be lost. They'd be dead. There, there's no hope. Many of us in this room and, and listening on on uh, the podcast, have lost somebody that they love dearly and they know are Christ followers and we have the hope of seeing them again. But if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, your loved one's lost. You're lost. We're lost. We're all lost. That's how important this is. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we're going to be pitied more than anyone else in the world because we're all fools. But that's not what it's about. Jesus did rise from the dead. It's a historical fact. It's a historical fact. People who weren't Christians of the day even, even marked it, Josephus and some of the other uh, uh, church, fa- church fathers, but also historians, marked that Jesus was seen alive by many, many people. And here's, here's what this kind of all means as we kind of close up our time. Um, many of you, and maybe even right now, um, Left, high, left, your, left home in high school and went on to college. And some of you had a professor at somewhere along the, point, uh, along the way rip apart the Bible and prove to, prove to you that what Jesus said didn't happen or was, wasn't, was fake or false or didn't make sense or a misquote from the Old Testament to the New Testament and makes a very convincing argument that the Bible is just a bunch of made-up stories or whatever it is. And because of that, because of the ripping into the Bible, you lost your faith. You said, maybe this faith that my parents foisted on me, maybe it isn't true. Maybe if the Bible isn't true, it is, but if the Bible isn't true, well, then maybe my faith isn't true. And I say to those college students, 
The Bible is not the foundation of our faith. It's, it, it is God's breathed word. We live by it. We pour into it. That's how we live our life. That's, that's where we learn about Jesus, you know, in many ways. But our, if all the Bibles disappeared in the whole earth through, all throughout history, we would still have faith. Why? Because of the Jesus line. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is where our faith is. And so don't, if you're a college student listening, don't let professors argue if you want to, but your, keep your faith on the, the event, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. Um, last thing, this. Uh, because Jesus rose from the dead, you have life. There is hope. You know that if this is your last moment on earth and God were to take you, he would be taking you home to himself because of what Jesus did, because of the resurrection. That is where our faith is grounded and our hope is. It's in Christ. And so if there's any doubt in your mind as to whether you're saved or if if you're going to be going to heaven, don't leave this room or this building without talking to me or talking to somebody first about that because I want to reassure you uh, in your faith that Christ came to die for the sins of you, the sins of the whole world. And that's, that's what makes him the real Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to pray. As we pray, um, normally we, we have our hands out for the, uh, the blessing. I want to have, as we pray, just have your hands out for the prayer um, in terms of receiving what God would have for, for us today during, through this prayer. So let's pray. Father God, um, there isn't anything special about this posture other than just to tell you that we are open to receive your Holy Spirit, that we're open to receive what you would have for us today. For some of us, that might even be receiving eternal life um, by a, a change of heart. We thank you, God, for all the blessings that you give to us. We thank you for the resurrection of your son because without him, because without that event of you raising him from the dead, all of us throughout all of history would be lost. Thank you that you give us life, that you have taken us from darkness to light, and it's in that light of Jesus that we live. Bless us, God, as we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all of us said together, amen.